This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now, your host. He thinks that axe throwing makes for a fun date night. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Welcome to the Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, where it is my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. You're joining us today for episode 141, and our guest for this episode is Alex Sonnefrank. Alex comes with uh, just shy of a decade's worth of experience in international trade documentation. Much of his work had him collaborate with chambers of commerce around the world to streamline document issuing until 2019, when he directly joined the American World Trade Chamber of Commerce. At the AWTCC, Alex has worked as Director of Affinity and Partnership Programs and has seen explosive growth in the success of their partnership programs. Alex, I'm excited to have you on Chamber Chat Podcast today. This is a a very different topic than what we've covered in the past. I'm excited to get into that with you, but why don't you take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber champions that are out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little better. Yeah, it's a a pleasure to be on today. I'm definitely looking forward to the conversation. I think um, Chambers oftentimes know the concept of a certificate of origin, but it oftentimes for U.S. Chambers is just kind of out in the ether there. Um, So I think it will be a very interesting discussion today. Um, About me, I have recently taken up photography. Um, That's just a a new hobby to kind of pick up in the past month. It's gotten me justification to go out and check out some interesting places. Um, And I do actually a fair amount in terms of animal rescue and things like that as well. That's kind of where I try and give back in some way. So that could be um, trying to capture loose dogs uh, in cases where animal rescue isn't really um, in a space to do it. Or it could be in some cases moving, you know, pot-bellied pigs where someone decided they wanted to as as pets. And that's oftentimes the first uh, step to a disaster there. So (laughs) being able to get all of those kind of corralled and and moved to to places in in, in safer environments as well. That's, it's it's been a a very fruitful experience there. So do you have several animals at your home now? Or do you get them to take them? I've got four. um, So two dogs, two cats, nothing unusual there. Um, one of the more unusual ones we've had recently were parrots. I did not know how big those could get or how intimidating those could get as well. They're very scary looking animals (laughs) and they make a lot of noise. Um, but it's, it's in some ways kind of heartbreaking in some cases, these were parrots that were like left outside in New York and enough people complained after like a snowstorm or something, they were left outside during that. And there was enough fuss that they ended up coming down to Florida and they stayed at our place for about a week until someone could kind of pick them up. So we were like the halfway point yeah. for, for them coming down. Um, they're very beautiful animals. I know for sure I would not have them. I'm very scared of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, tell us a little bit about the American World Trade Chamber of Commerce. Uh, give us an idea of the perspective that you're coming from for our discussion. Uh, typically... They have chambers talk about their size, kind of location, budget, things of that nature to kind of give some of that perspective. 
Yeah, so we're a special interest chamber. We're really focused on exporters, um, either in that takes the form of trying to help them identify new markets, um, make those connections to grow their business. And oftentimes it's taken the form as well in really trying to work with them to streamline their documentation process and just make sure that when they get something to customs, it's going to get through and it's not going to get stuck. It's not going to get delayed. Um, and that they're because of that, they're going to get paid on time and they're going to more easily be able to do business. So that's really where our focus is. We are a national chamber. So we have offices. I'm in the kind of DC metro region office in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, we do have an office in New York. We have one in New Jersey, one in Maryland. So we're more focused, I guess, on the East Coast right now. Um, and we do maintain a satellite office in Houston as well. So um, we're kind of all spread out around the, the United States. Um, we've got, I'd say, just shy of six staff right now. Um, but I think that is pretty rapidly growing. And in terms of our volume, that we've seen grow pretty explosively as well. Um, in particular, we have a partnership program around um, certificates of origin as well, where we actually remit money back to some of the chambers that we work with closely. That's gone from about a $30,000 annual um, program to now we're um, forecasted to break $300,000 just in that program by the end of this year. So in that space, I'd say things are going, going quite well. And it makes a lot of sense as well. There's more push to digitization. And I, I think we are in a space where there's a lot of need for really what we provide. Absolutely. That is a pretty explosive growth there. 30,000 to 300,000 in that, that yeah. program that you talked about with the certificates of origin. Um, so as we kind of alluded to, our, our topic for discussion today will be around certificates of origin and specifically this program that you just mentioned um, that sends non-Jews revenue back to participating chambers that, that uh, mm -hmm. work with you guys. But um, we'll, we'll get into this discussion in much more detail as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. All right, Alex, we're back. Um, why don't you tell us kind of broadly, what is a certificate of origin? And I'm trying to think, you know, for the, the listeners out there who may not, you know, a, a chamber um, executive for example, who may not be mm -hmm. as familiar with exportation. Um, tell us what it is, uh, what it means to their members, 
and just kind of a, a broad overview of certificates of origin. Great. So I've listened to a lot of conversations on this topic. I've had a lot on them. And I think they always open by getting into a lot of the esoteric history and Geneva Conventions and all these different um, timelines of how, how it came to be that chambers tend to issue certificates of origin. But I think really the point is that um, certificates of origin, they're key trade documents to clear customs. If you have a product and you're trying to get it into Egypt and it's over a certain value, um, you're going to need documentation to prove what the origin is. And internationally, chambers of commerce are recognized as the authority in that space to actually issue certificates of origin. And the reason why this is so important and so pivotal for chambers of commerce is that chambers are uniquely qualified to offer this service. So if I'm exporting a product to Egypt and I need a stamp against it, I can't go to the you know, US State Department, I can't go to a freight forwarder, I can't go to some other you know, export specialty group in our area. I need to specifically go to a recognized and registered chamber of commerce within that country. Um, and I think that's where the relevance to a chamber really stands because ultimately it means they're the sole resource that an exporter can use to actually get this documentation done. Um, internationally, chambers recognize this. They're all on top of the idea that certificates of origin are a big part of what we do. This is a really significant service that we provide. In the US though, it might just be because there are so many chambers. Oftentimes this as a service gets overlooked or almost dismissed. Um, and the reason that that's problematic, one case is gonna be, you know, obviously you're, you're missing out on revenue potential. Chambers do charge for certificates of origin, both for members and non-members. So you oftentimes miss out on that revenue. But more than that, you're missing out on providing a service to your community. Um, fundamentally, this is something that businesses need. And if they can't get it from their local chamber, that's gonna impair their ability to do business. Um, I just had a conversation yesterday with someone doing export to Uzbekistan. They had a new prospective buyer. They were going to ship something weekly. They couldn't get the certificate of origin to clear customs from their local chamber. And they were already just at that point to throw in the towel and say, we can't do business here. So it's a, a space that would have, you know, scaled back their ability to operate if they couldn't find solutions to actually get documentation done. Um, so let's say a, a local manufacturer um, mm -hmm. is needing to export and their local chamber of commerce is not currently set up to produce a certificates of origin. Where would that um, manufacturer, exporter, potential exporter go at this point if their local chamber doesn't provide that service? So commonly, there, there are essentially consulting groups that would or contractors that can kind of fill that gap. So that could be a freight forwarder. So I could go out to them and say, you're facilitating other parts of the shipment. Can you also figure out how to get me a certificate of origin? Um, where they're basically put the document together and they'll get it to um, some chamber that they're connected to like they get it processed. And in that case, um, the export is the manufacturer in that case is going to be paying probably $100 to $150 for the service, which is probably higher than what I think most chambers would imagine as a, a member price point. So they end up paying quite a lot. 
Um, in some cases, it just restricts the manufacturer's ability to do business in the first place. They may just not approach that without the knowledge of how to actually go about clearing customs. They would be more hesitant, right, to actually ship product to certain places. Um, and finally, there may just be cases where they pay extra penalties, right? So in some cases, you can actually still get the goods through customs, but because customs agents are going to do more due diligence to vet the products coming in, they're going to scrutinize the documents more heavily, it's going to lead to delays, and it's going to lead to penalties. And very frequently, I've seen instances where manufacturers just think that's part of doing business is you get to the port and then you pay penalties. That's just how it's supposed to get, right? Um, so a there's lot a better cases, way. Yeah. <laughs> right? and, and the issue is um, a lot of chambers just don't know to promote the service. They don't have the resources to do it themselves. Um, but I think oftentimes it's just that it's not promoted. So a lot of chambers I've talked to will potentially not charge for certificates of origin. Maybe they've had people every now and then come in to do it. Um, if they're members, they might not charge, or they might only charge something like $5 to get a document done. And you can imagine in that case, it's a revenue loss for every single certificate that chamber is issuing. Because if someone comes in to get a document done, um, that's going to take them, cost them time. It's going to cost them space. They should be maintaining backups of the documents as well. So that's going to burden them there. Um, if they're getting insurance for either professional services insurance or um, errors and emissions liability insurance, that's going to cost them as well. So ultimately, a lot of chambers, maybe they'll offer it to members, but they it's kind of one of the best kept secrets at a lot of chambers of commerce that I've spoken to. Um, because the issue is, if, they're, if it's not a revenue source for them, they're not going to promote it. And um, there's always this fear for a lot of chambers. If we increase the price point, no one's going to want it. It's going to hurt membership. But at the end of the day, if you increase the price point, now you actually want to tell people that this is a service you provide. You want to get that education out into your community. You want to get that knowledge out into your community as well. And oftentimes, it's going to lead to more documentation being done. Um, there are so many crazy edge cases that will come up where if, if you're just a regular person out in the community, you're not going to be able to find a resource to get a certificate board and done. Because if you hear you need a stamp document, most people have, won't have any idea what that means. Um, and it's not just for manufacturers. One of the more interesting stories I always share is um, we've had one that came from a dentist office. So it was a local member of their local community. Um, they had a painting in their, I guess, lobby is where I imagined it, that was just highly, highly valued. I don't know how it came to be, but they ended up selling the painting to someone in Turkey, and they needed documentation to prove the origin of the product. Um, so even in that case, you know, we have someone who's not a manufacturer, not really producing anything, right? They're selling a good that they themselves haven't even produced, but they still need documentation around it. Um, we get a lot of hospitals that are selling their old equipment, right? They may be replacing stuff, but what's good, they're still going to ship overseas. Um, we get a lot of universities as well. Maybe they're replacing their computers and they have some program to kind of donate them to, you know, less prosperous areas around the world. But they do need documentation, even if they're giving it away for free to actually get that cleared. Um, so 
there's a lot of need oftentimes in the community, and, but there's not a lot of effort from the chamber side to kind of educate people that this is going to be an option. I love those examples. It, it makes it more real, you know, hearing of different sure. members and, and how it applies to them. Because I, I think for the common listener right now, they might be thinking, yeah, you know, my community, we're in, you know, middle of Kansas or something. And yeah. we don't have a lot of exporters. But, um, you know, the example that you gave of the dentist, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's not a regular yeah. kind of thing. But so I know the, the question that a, a chamber executive would have is, okay, if, what's the realistic amount of you know certificates that we would need to you know originate for for some of these exporters um what's involved with being certified to do that and then what's the time Mm -hmm. requirement for their staff to actually do that and especially if it's not going to be a high volume that they put out like trying to make that determination on if it's worth the time to to kind of get certified and go through the the steps to do that um can you tell us a little bit what that process is like and maybe if there's a threshold of, um, you know, where the, the need and the demand is to, to those chambers that need to explore that more in-depthly? So, and I just to kind of even touch on the Kansas example, right, we know um, a lot of groups and there's a lot of companies doing agricultural products in that area that do a massive amount of shit, right? I mean, we're talking well over a thousand documents a year that they need to have processed, right? So, um, and even then, you know, lumber, that's a big industry in the U.S. Pharmaceuticals obviously have grown a lot, but even in those areas where you'd you'd imagine, hey, there's not a lot being made, there's still a lot that's going to be exported, right? Even something simple like a watch manufacturer or just a small jewelry shop, right? They're selling high commodities, um, that are high value. So it's likely they're going to need that documentation. Um, but really to kind of start getting into that process, there, there definitely is a knowledge that, that chambers need to jump over. Um, the first big thing to kind of accept is that a lot of the exporters, a lot of the members that are going to be needing this service need a guiding hand. They're not experts on this process. They expect you to be the experts on that process. So we've seen, um, you know, I, I've seen instances where someone came to me after exporting to China and their documents, they got them stamped by a local chamber of commerce, but they were rejected by customs because what they actually used was the template for an NAFTA certificate of origin, um, which you may be aware, China is not in North America. And <laughs> second to that, um, NAFTA isn't even an agreement that exists anymore. It's been replaced by the, the USMCA. So, um, but the, the chamber saw that and said, well, I'll just put a stamp right on it because that's what the members wanted. I right? never had that thought of, you know, this is going to really obstruct their ability to clear customs. This is going to end up costing yeah. them if I do this. So definitely that's the first thing to kind of accept is, um, you need to be the expert on this. You can't rely on your exporters. They're relying on you for this service. Um, but really the first place to start is going to be looking at the International Chamber of Commerce guidelines. So the International Chamber, they're very, very heavily involved in international trade in general. Um, they set things called INCO terms, which you don't need to really understand, but just know if you're shipping anything anywhere, you're going to be using INCO terms that they established. So 
Um, they really put the rules and guidelines just in terms of how trade international is going to look. Um, so yeah, so they're, they're really the resource to start. They do have a publication on the Certificate of Origin guidelines that they do update periodically. I think it's maybe 45 bucks US. Um, so it's, it's not a huge investment on your side to just buy that and start getting into the rules just as a starting point to kind of understand, you know, what is my responsibility? What am I supposed to be doing? And really what am I looking for? And what am I actually saying when I attest to the document, when I actually put a stamp on it? Mm -hmm. So to get that kind of level of expertise, that's, that's really the starting point. The ICC does also offer training sessions around certificates of origin. Like it's a lot more expensive. Um, and then they do also have an accreditation program as well. So when a chamber really wants to commit to issuing certificates of origin or really wants to commit to showcasing to the world that they're an authority in that space, you can go through an accreditation process. And at the end of it, um, they'll formally recognize you as experts in that space. And they'll formally, um, well, they'll enable you to put the nice ICC stamp against each of the documents that you're issuing and also connect to their verification portal so when customs gets the documentation, they can actually be verified. Um, naturally, we've, we've gone through those steps because it's of high value to us. I would not expect there are going to be many metro chambers or even larger state chambers where it really makes sense in the U.S. to make that kind of a commitment. But at a bare minimum, you can make sure you understand what the rules are um, and make sure that you're aware of what you're issuing and, and aware of what you ought to be doing. Um, there are definitely a lot of barriers in cases where, um, so, you know, chambers may be kind of aware of what they should be doing, but just accept that, you know, we're really focused on a few members and we think things are going to be going just fine with that. Um, but at a bare minimum, I always kind of highlight three things to make sure you're doing. One is to make sure that exporters are signing off on some form of affidavit before they're even submitting documents to the chamber. Um, we've got samples of that available on our website as well. And that's something that if you reach out to me, we're, we're happy to provide to you to basically say, this is an affidavit. It's a, and the exporter is going to sign off on that. Say, we are who we say we are. We're going to state things truthfully. We're authorized to make these declarations, um, all that kind of good stuff, just to make sure that you're covered. The other space is to make sure that you're keeping backups. So there can come a time when customs officials are gonna reach out even a year later and say, hey, we're reviewing this documentation. Can you send us whatever the copy was on your assignment you've maintained? So maintaining backups, maintaining records, that's gonna be really pivotal. Um, and then the third thing is, and this is something I'd still really recommend, is looking at making sure you have either Arizona Commission's liability insurance or professional services liability insurance. Those aren't tied to general liability insurance normally, but um, it's something, again, you can look to add and, and make that then cost uh, benefit assumption as to whether or not it's worthwhile. And the final piece, I think, to all of this would be that if you're in a position where you feel like you're not equipped, to really offer these. So, you know, let's say it's one of those really small chambers where you've got, you know, less than one full-time staff, right? Um, the value there might be to look at some kind of partnership. So I know certain state chambers offer partnerships. We have our, our partnership program that we offer as well. 
where we're the actual ones issuing the documents, but we do it in association with your um, Chamber of Commerce. And we know certain chambers, the Georgia State Chamber, for instance, has their federation model where any local chamber can refer people to them. And those members of the smaller chamber still get a discount when they're working with Georgia State. So there are a lot of programs like that available. And if you're a larger metro chamber, it's something you might want to be considering as well. If this is a focus, it's not just for air members. This is something for really the community at large that we could potentially be offering. That's right. And I could see, you know, maybe a regional chamber association or state chamber association kind of banding together to to do that and offer that partnership program. Um, or, you know, chambers going directly to you guys to, to, yeah. to work that partnership as well. So I'd love, uh, you know, how you went back to that Kansas example and made that real again <laughs> as far yeah. as exporting, because it really shows an example that every community there's exporters, whether you're thinking about yeah. it or not, there's businesses that need to, to ship, you know, internationally. Um, so I know you'd mentioned to me, there's, uh, you know, some, some new and future challenges in regards to, to exporting. Do you want to take a few minutes to touch on, on some of those challenges? Yeah. So very often when I'm engaging with chambers or when I'm engaging with exporters as well, I'll hear something like, well, we've been doing it this way for 10 years. You know, why would we do it any other way? But um, of course, international trade is not as static as you might imagine. Um, even if an individual government is slow to change, you can imagine if you're shipping to 10 countries every, and it takes them 10 years to do any kind of update, then that means pretty much every year you're going to have something changing, right? So you, you really need to make sure that you're aware of where the market is and where things are really flowing, right? Because in some cases it presents new opportunities and, and of course in others it produces new challenges. Um, We've seen a lot of challenges with good going into India recently. So I don't know really what the full story is. Likely there was some kind of instance of fraud and they started really cracking down on um, essentially food grade products coming into their country. And by that, I mean, they're looking at the certificates of origin and what they want to see, not just a wet stamp or an electronic stamp. They want to see some verification method against the certificate of origin. So that's sometimes a bigger challenge um, to be able to do that. You can work with exporters to have statements on the document that say who to reach out to at your local chamber. Um, you can look at there are different software or electronic options out there as well that would enable you to have that verification code against it. We're seeing more and more of a push for that space. Um, we're also seeing different opportunities for, for crackdown in different areas. So, right, when the last bigger trade conflict, uh, maybe trade war started between US and China, even before there was policy in place, the first thing that Chinese officials did was start cracking down on documentation, right? Start really scrutinizing it in a really big way. Um, so in a way, we're at that kind of front line. We know when that happens and we know when we can start communicating that back to people right away of, you know, this is what Chinese customs is doing right now. Here's how you can try and avoid those issues. But it's important in some way that your chamber does stay, you know, up to date or in tune with, with things as they're changing. So we do maintain a newsletter. We try and just keep that word out to chambers across the United States. 
um, where those challenges or where those new um, risks are potentially coming up. So in some cases, it's led by just political conflict. Um, we see that happen quite a lot. And it's, it's always very interesting. There's certain ways where you can kind of read the letter of the rules, say for Egypt, right? And the way that it's written, it technically should be impossible to clear customs, right? So it just really is going to depend on what they're enforcing at the time. So you need to be kind of dynamic on your side to make sure you know what's going on in the world. Um, and a big, big source of the new challenges and new scrutiny is going to be um, just the new increase in fraud. It's something that we've seen a lot of, um, in part because of maybe the space of the recognition that we have internationally. We actually get a lot of questions from customs officials where they'll come back and say, we, we, you know, we're not confident on this document. Can you help us verify it? And maybe it's from a chamber that doesn't exist or in some cases, it might be from a genuine chamber, but they never stamped the document. Someone out there had a, had that chamber stamp and was essentially impersonating them. So we've seen instances like that happen as well. And that can be obviously very, very um, difficult to, yeah. to get through afterwards. Yeah, for sure. So those are you know, some of the challenges that you're seeing right now. And I would assume that there's some maybe opportunities that you see on the on the horizon as well. Um, you want to touch on some of those? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the big one is definitely going to be with the United Kingdom. So as, as their relationship worsens with the, United, with the EU, as they kind of make themselves further and further removed from there, it's likely going to be a lot more demand coming from that region. And it's something where, you know, you as a chamber actually have an opportunity to really help out your members. So, there might be new trade agreements and even outside of those new trade agreements that might make, again, preferential rates apply outside of those trade agreements, there is still an opportunity to really help your members. That could be as simple as, you know, if, if you're a chamber that has a lot of, let's say, bourbon manufacturers, right, and they're looking to resell their barrels, you there's nothing really stopping you from reaching out to a chamber in Scotland and saying, hey, we've got people with this product that they're currently discarding. We want to try and find a market for them. And that's not uncommon for Chambers of Commerce to really operate that way. And again, if you reach out to Chambers internationally as you know a metro chamber, even a small chamber saying we've got customers looking to sell these products, the other chambers internationally would be happy to work with you. So there's, there's a big opportunity to really provide that value as being a, a leader in that space to a lot of your members. And again, a lot of that's going to come with then a need for documentation as well. So you get their help, you get their benefit. And then because you've generated that volume and that growth, they're going to need to get those documents done through you. And that's going to increase revenue as well. Increases revenue and you get to be the hero to that business. Yeah, so you're helping to sell their product, right? That's awesome. Well, I think you've made a great case for why chambers need, U.S. chambers specifically, need to, to get more involved with uh, exporting and, and creating or helping to facilitate certificates of origin. Um, before we wrap things up, tell us more about the partnership program that the American World Trade Chamber of Commerce offers and uh, to support local, maybe smaller chambers in, uh, in the, certificate, the certificates of origin. Yeah, so the way that we approach things, um, the, the way we want to present things is going to be very similar to, say, 
how you would feel if you had a credit card or a debit card from your local bank. Um, you're going to attribute that card to the bank. You're going to view yourself as having an account with the bank, and that's why you have that card. But somewhere on the credit card, it's going to say powered by Visa, right? Um, but in your mind, that's not really where it's coming from. It's coming from your connection to the local bank. And that's really what we try to do when we partner with other chambers of commerce, because it's going to be our stamp that goes against the document at the end of the process. But what we want them to understand is when they go to register, they're coming to your chamber website to register. When they want to log in, they're coming to your chamber website to log in. But then at the end of the day, at the end of the process, they've got a, a stamp against the document that's going to be recognized internationally, and it's going to come with more strength to kind of clear things through. And it seems like that partnership program has been really successful for a lot of the changes that we've worked with. And really the way that it works, we keep it pretty simple as well. Um, it's just a revenue share model. So we have our base price point that we can get into detail when we talk to anyone. But um, essentially anything that goes above that base price point, we send back to local chambers as non-dues revenue. And again, this year we're forecast to send back $300,000. So it's, it's definitely one of those affinity programs I think has grown really well in the past year. And we expect to continue growing in that space as well. I'd say, say in, in the last year, it's, you know, grown by tenfold. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine so, the, the opportunity is huge for that. Definitely. So, well, as we start to wrap things up here, I wanted to ask you for maybe one tip or action item based on our discussion today that a, a chamber champion could do to help take their chamber up to the next level. So I'd really start by, again, looking at acquiring those International Chamber of Commerce guidelines. Um, it's not a huge investment for the chamber, and it helps you start getting that idea of what it is to provide the service in the first place. Um, and the other point I try and look at is just to recognize, especially for non-members, that this is a huge opportunity to assist your community. A lot of chambers that I talk to, they do it for members, but again, they kind of want to keep it a secret and they don't really promote it out to non-members as well. Um, those are the, the groups that really have huge opportunities to join as chamber members. And they're oftentimes ones that are in the biggest need as well, right? Um, again, if there's that one case, that one dentist office example that I mentioned, um, those people are superheroes for being able to help in that situation. Um, so always know that even if they just need one, you can be that hero to really help them out and help them there. Yeah. Or that farmer example that you gave. Yeah, I don't see mm -hmm. a whole lot of farmers that are currently chamber members, but if they see this yeah. value, I mean, I could see a huge opportunity for the chambers to be able to service a whole new yeah, segment. So, um, so as we look to the future of chambers of commerce, how do you see the future of chambers and their purpose going forward? Um, I think it's going to get more hands-on. It's not just going to be like here's a nice social club that people can kind of come to. Um, and then we can kind of look internationally as well in terms of what other chambers are doing. They're doing things like trainings and workshops, um, and they're working more directly with other chambers of commerce to find people to buy their products, so to be able to get things moving around. Um, and it makes sense, right? If 
even within the United States, if you know there's a product that you want to tap a new market for, you can reach out as a chamber liaison to whatever chamber of commerce is representing that area. Um, and so I think that's going to be where we start building those connections and bridges, because it's not just about making the connections within your local community. It's about finding customers um, outside of it as well. And I think very frequently within the U.S., that hasn't been a focus for chambers of commerce. It's been more local businesses kind of coming together. But I do think that's going to start changing um, because, again, we're moving to a larger, what it feels like the world's getting smaller and smaller as people are able to, to move products around quite easily. So I think that's going to be um, a space chambers have to really fill in order to be successful. Absolutely. I'd say, especially with the last year with COVID and, and seeing mm -hmm. businesses needing to shift to do more business online when certain mm -hmm. storefronts of you know certain types of businesses were closed for some extended period of time. Uh, we're definitely seeing a shift and seeing the world get smaller for sure. So mm. great point. Well, Alex, as we wrap things up here, I did. I wanted to give you an opportunity to put your contact information out there. So anyone listening who wanted to learn more about you know, partnering with you guys or uh, just exploring you know, how to create certificates of origin themselves, what would be the best way for them to reach out and connect with you? So if you want to call me direct, I'm at 202 844 2641. Um, but you can also just come out, reach out to our website. Um, that's at awtcc.org. It'll be pretty easy to get in touch um, with me from that front as well. Um, if you do want my email, I always hate spelling my last name. So I don't know if we can put it in like a, a box somewhere, but it's going to be asunnafrank at awtcc.org. But again, it's, it may be easiest just to kind of reach out to the website, awtcc.org, and kind of find uh, the contact points from there. I'll put it on our show notes page, too, okay. so people I can find it nice and easy. <laughs> Very good. Well, I appreciate you, Alex, uh, you know, hopping on here on Chamber Chat Podcast mm -hmm. with me and sharing some of your expertise and experiences that you've seen and how they can you know, benefit and serve local chambers as well. So thank you for coming on and, and sharing time with us today. Yeah, and thank you for having me. Have a nice day. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Would you be interested in creating even more value from the processes that you're already doing on a daily basis? Swipe It has been one of my sponsors for Chamber Chat from the beginning. Swipe It provides credit card payment solutions that will save your chamber up to 40% on your processing fees, and Swipe It can integrate your credit card processing seamlessly into your existing membership software. Swipe It does not charge chambers to switch, and they will make switching simple. In addition to these savings, Swipe It has an affinity program for Chambers of Commerce, so you can earn more non-dues revenue to support your budget. Learn more about Swipe It by requesting your free cost savings analysis and become more profitable today 
by visiting chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc, as in credit card. Again, that's chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc, and you can join many other chambers as you begin swiping with Swipe It.